because yeah i think it would worked better yeah and just keep the cinderella aspect of like rags to nothing or rags to riches (laughs) like nothing to something (laughs) (laughs) rags to nothing that's what everyone wants yeah nothing not even rags (laughs) rags to nude (laughs) yes adult adult Welcome to BYOB, the Bring Your Own Book Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm Tilly. And I'm Nikki. In this episode, we're talking about the popular YA sci-fi novel, Cinder, by Marissa Meyer, which was first published in 2012. This was really popular in its heyday, and I actually personally didn't know anyone at the time who had read it, but now as an adult, I have met many people who have loved this series as young adults. So... Without further ado, here's the publisher's synopsis from Nick. Humans and androids crowd the raucous streets of New Beijing. A deadly plague ravages the population. From space, a ruthless lunar people watch, waiting to make their move. No one knows that Earth's fate hinges on one girl, Cinder, a gifted mechanic and a cyborg. She's a second-class citizen with a mysterious past, reviled by her stepmother and blamed for her stepsister's illness. But when her life becomes intertwined with the handsome Prince Kai's, she suddenly finds herself at the center of an intergalactic struggle and a forbidden attraction. Caught between duty and freedom, loyalty and betrayal, she must uncover secrets about her past in order to protect her world's future. Okay, cool. Thank you, Nikki. So, Tilly, why don't you tell everyone about the fun drink we've chosen for today's episode? Absolutely. So the drink we've chosen to pair with this episode, it's called the Cinderella, quite fittingly. (laughs) Why did you choose that one? (laughs) I know. (laughs) Who knows? No one will ever know. Um, And it's made with lemon juice, orange juice, pineapple juice, grenadine, ginger ale, and pineapple and orange slices. Very tropical. As this book is kind of a darker sci-fi retelling of the classic fairy tale, we also thought it'd be fun to bring some of the light and fizziness of the original version. So this drink, as it's created, is a mocktail, but feel free to enjoy it as either the alcoholic or non-alcoholic version. Cool! This looks really, really tasty, so I'm excited Mm -hmm. to give it a sip. I was going to say give it a go. I mean, that too. Yeah. But... (laughs) All right. Ready, everyone? Yeah. Ready. Cheers. 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 Mmm. Ooh. That's sweet. That's so many different flavors. Fla- <laughs> I promise Tilly, you I'm fine. <laughs> Two no. shots of vodka. <laughs> I haven't eaten very much today, though, so maybe I'm just, like, loopy. Oh, um, get those orange yeah, slices. Yeah, there's just so many different flavors of juice, which is very fun. Mm-hmm. What a fun drink. It's, it's because there's no alcohol that's intended to be in this, so they actually want it to taste good. As soon as there's alcohol, they're like, does it really matter what we put on top of it? Because it's just no. going to taste like alcohol. So. <laughs> so this one, they were like, the stakes are high. We got to make it taste delicious. Yeah. And they did. Cinderella, more alcohol. <laughs> Cinderella. <laughs> Maybe this is the new Shirley Temple. Ooh. <laughs> We're both like, hmm, the cogs are turning. <gasps> the cogs are turning. Anyways, because <laughs> she's a cyborg. Okay, so. Oh. 
I wasn't picking up on that one. <laughs> Me neither, but I like it. And please continue with your puns. I'm just going to move on before I embarrass myself even more. <laughs> the episode just started. Okay, cool. So <laughs> we've started drinking. So why don't we talk about our star rating now? Um, I'll go first. So I borrowed this book from a friend uh, a few months ago at the end of the summer and she was one of the people who read it as a child or a teenager, and I didn't know her then. So <laughs> I would see this book all the time in stores when I was younger, and it looked interesting, but I just never picked it up. So I'm glad I read it finally, because I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, it did take me about maybe a quarter of the book to really get invested, but after that, I couldn't put it down. So it was a bit of a slow start, but then I really enjoyed my time there. I loved how original this fairy tale retelling was because I like retellings, but a lot of them start to blend together after a while. Uh, mm -hmm. Whereas this one for me stood out and I really liked the author's take on the iconic royal ball scene. I thought that was pretty funny in this one. So originally I gave it a four out of five. And then a few hours after I wrote my little goodreads blurb i just kept thinking about how much fun i had with the book and so i gave it a four and a half because if i'm that excited about it and that happy then yeah it should be higher so i gave it a four and a half out of five and yeah that's all i'm gonna say about Lovely. it <laughs> thanks so tilly why don't you go next Sure, yeah, I had a bit of a different reading experience. Uh, I also had known about this book for a while. I'd seen it on a lot of lists of like, you know, best YA teen books or like best retellings or best fantasy or best sci-fi, whatever. So I was interested in reading it for sure. And the new um, the new editions of the book, I'm not sure when they came out, but they're beautiful. Yes. Yeah. So I went ahead and bought it and I thought, oh God, this looks so good. The synopsis sounds so intriguing. Cyborg, sci-fi, I'm into all of that. Um, but unfortunately for me, it really kind of fell flat. I thought there was a lot of um, really good potential that was set up, but then nothing was really followed through on the like actual sci-fi elements. They felt very like loose to me and I didn't really get a good understanding of them, which part of that I think is because it is a YA novel. So maybe, you know, they're not necessarily reading for the um, for the like the sci-fi or the plot, but there are still lots of YA novels that I enjoy that are very well fleshed out. So this one felt... Um, just not as satisfying for me. I ended up rating it um, a two out of five. I also found a lot of the characters were very flat and the plot kind of pivoted into very like um, teenage uh, territory where it was everything was about relationships and marriage and like, don't, you know, I love her, but I love, but I love him. And, you know, th that just wasn't, I wasn't really interested in it is what it comes down to. It was also very long for what yeah. it was. And I found myself um, just really not interested in reading, unfortunately, which is a bummer because I, I really did want to like it. And I was very excited about the like little nuggets of information we were getting at the beginning. Um, mm -hmm. And then I pretty much immediately predicted every plot point. Yes. So yeah. that was also a bit of a bummer. I would have liked a little more of the like chase. Maybe if I had read it when I was younger and I had like a strong attachment to it, then like nostalgic feelings, I would have appreciated it more in my like almost 30s. But starting it at this point for me was just um, was not very satisfying, unfortunately. I'm so sorry. Yeah. No, that's okay. Sometimes that happens. But I'm really yeah. glad that you enjoyed it. And like, I can definitely see all the all the exciting elements. They just didn't really work for me. Yeah. And I'm curious because I've only read the first one. I don't know 
if it gets better in the second or if it's more of the same or what. So I will report back. <laughs> Let you know. Okay, yes, please do. <laughs> Nikki, how did you feel about this book? So I had a lot of really similar feelings to Tilly. I gave this book a three out of five. And I think that's purely because I really enjoyed the first half of the book. Mm. Kind of the opposite of Kelly. The first <laughs> half was the most original part. Um, I wasn't really too um, stuck on knowing all of the plot points and stuff um, as Tilly because it's a retelling. So I was like, how how much are they really going to veer from the major plot points anyway? But sure. yeah, I don't know this. I think that this book would have worked a lot better if it wouldn't have been a retelling and she would have I just agree. kept going with her original idea and branched off. And it still could have been kind of like a romance between Cinder and the prince. And that could have mm -hmm. all still been there. But I just think all of those parts were kind of like trying to wedge your foot into a shoe that doesn't fit. Oh my god. If I may. <laughs> Topical. <laughs> all of the parts that were like Cinderella-esque really felt like they were just like shoved forced. in there. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, exactly. Forced into this thing that was like, but it would have been so much better if you would have just not tried so hard with those elements. Maybe it being um, like a Cinderella inspired story mm -hmm. rather than a Cinderella retelling. So we still could have got that same um, pull in. I don't know. I don't really like retelling. So that was that was something that even as I was growing up, I actively avoided this book because I was like, I don't really care for retellings. They have to be very, very good or a huge spin. That's why I really like the Gregory Maguire books, like mm -hmm. Wicked and Confessions of an Ugly Stepsister, which is a Cinderella retelling, but told from one of her siblings. <laughs> so I just think that there was something in this that was intrinsically wrong and since I have, <laughs> with with the plot, like how the plot was executed, and I cannot put my finger on it, I've been thinking about it since I finished the book, because when I think about it overall, I think I really enjoyed a lot of what was happening, but there was something in there for me that just really wasn't working under all mm -hmm. of these other layers, and I still can't put my finger on it. But yeah, it was it was fun. It was fun. But it yeah. wasn't everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, like, I definitely enjoyed it, but I wouldn't say it's, like, one of my favorite series. Because, like, there's other ones that I'm like, oh, my God. But, like, I read this one at the end of the summer, and I haven't read the second one yet. Whereas other right. ones, I would be like, I need to read it now, you know? <laughs> right. right. But I, I wonder what was missing for you then, or what was the odd thing? Like, do you think maybe it was the trying to have a romance in there as well because i mean first of all that was pretty surface level because it's like a fairy tale yeah. right right yeah and they interacted like three times and never <laughs> talked about themselves at all and they yeah. were suddenly anyway doesn't well, i guess matter. if you're the prince everyone already knows everything about you so it's like ah oh, i'm already in love with you i guess <laughs> but he didn't right. even know anything about cinder like he didn't right. know anything about her literally nothing because she <laughs> kept her identity hidden yes. anyway yeah, I don't know what it what it was. I don't know if it had to do with the relationship, but on that note, everything was like that. Mm -hmm. You got yeah. 
uh, like it grazed over the sci-fi aspects, which I'm yes. not a huge sci-fi fan. Like I haven't read a lot of like really hardcore sci-fi like adults. So reading books like this, I really like because it gives me that insight to hopefully build up enough kind of like knowledge and uh, figure out how these worlds work that I will feel comfortable reading more mm -hmm. kind of in-depth sci-fi. So I was really looking forward to that. And there were some things where I felt like I got that essence, but it didn't dive in there enough for me. I really mm -hmm. liked all of the stuff that had to do with Nancy and um, like the chip and everything like that. But it was, it didn't go far enough. There was not enough information under there it was kind of every aspect was like, oh yeah, and this thing. But moving on. Yeah, and then it was like so long. So I, I got to the end. I was like, but yeah. I could tell you what really happened in about four sentences. So what was the filler? If it wasn't sci-fi, if it wasn't romance, if it wasn't plot, what was the filler? I don't know. Mm -hmm. yeah. I guess the plague thing. There were a lot of... Yeah, and that um, was yeah. interesting. Also a, a huge bummer to read. I started reading yes. it. And I was like, oh no, there's a plague. I oh know. no. I, I don't feel prepared either. mentally. Yeah, when I picked it up, I was like, wait a second. How did I get into this? Like, I thought I, I was trying like to avoid I, that. I didn't realize until COVID how many books revolve around some kind of like mass sickness mm -hmm. threatening humanity. And I'm like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'd love to be reminded. <laughs> yeah, not that we're already inundated with that sort of information at every level of society. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you, Nikki. I really think um, it almost suffered for being a retelling because everything felt kind of forced. Like there wasn't really any need for this character to be named Cinder, mm. even. Like, yeah. Or, or for there, there could have still been a prince. There could have still been this setup. There could have still been a ball, but it didn't need to be about um cinderella at all i felt so i'm not really sure why um the author ended up going that route I, I it feels to me a bit like she had an idea for the very end of it and maybe we're getting kind of into spoiler territory so maybe, maybe i won't go there but I, I was much more interested in the like the plague element and the you know the what's going to happen with the city what happened to make the city this mm -hmm. way in the future because there's a lot of kind of like surface level talk about the politics mm -hmm. right which i was kind of interested in and would have liked to maybe see more and all of those elements seemed like a stronger story than having like shoehorned if we go back into puns um in <laughs> elements of cinderella mm -hmm. so i i think from what I understand, the rest of the books in the series are also retellings of fairy tales, but also within this world. Yes. So I'm just kind of like not really convinced by that mechanic, I guess. Oh my God, pun again. Oh She's God. a mechanic. <laughs> wow. Am I on fire or what? <laughs> you know, the more we talk about the plot and everything, the more I'm thinking maybe this book should have been written for adults and like mm. been darker. You know what I mean? Because yeah, and I think just, it would have worked better. Yeah, and just keep the Cinderella aspect of like rags to nothing or rags to riches, <laughs> like nothing to something. You know? <laughs> that would rags to nothing. That's what everyone wants. Cinderella rags yeah. to nothing, not even rags. <laughs> rags to nude. <laughs> that is yes, an adult book. Adult. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> Did we read that book last time? Wait a minute. <laughs> 
<laughs> I've definitely read a book like that, and it was not good, okay? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I mean is, like, yeah, we did have a lot of, like, little hints of political stuff, um, stuff with uh, cyborg and human relations, you know? Like, there was a plague. Oh, and the whole other lunar race? Like, that stuff was yes. so interesting. I'm like, what happened there? How did they get up there? What's going on? How'd they get yes. mind powers? So I feel like maybe if this were written in the adult section and it it was darker and allowed you to get more in depth and all this, maybe that would have been more effective but I feel like the way it was written, which I will agree, it was long. I don't know why everyone feels the need to do 500 plus pages now. We get it. It's fantasy. It's sci-fi. Let's shorten it. Okay? Like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Roll Doll did it. Why can't you? So, anyway, it's just one person. <laughs> just naming one person there. But like, yeah, because it was very long. And there's four of them. And they're all long. Why are all the books so long nowadays? <laughs> I don't know, because I've read a lot of really excellent, like, hard sci-fi novellas mm -hmm. that have fulfilled me and made me emotionally connected to the characters and really curious and understanding about the world mm -hmm. in, like, you know, 100 to 200 pages. Mm -hmm. So it definitely can be done. Yeah. It, yeah, it just, it felt like the time between the pages wasn't really well spent in yeah, this book. Sure. I think one thing with this, and I've never read any of Marissa Meyer's other work. I don't know what her other work is, if she has things that are not retellings, things outside of this um, series, but she really relied too much on the original story. Mm. Mm. It was just, it was like, well, everybody already knows these characters, so I don't have to do any work. I'm just I think that's what it is, yeah. this idea with cyborgs which i mean maybe that well obviously it works with a younger audience because she's had so much success with the series yeah mm -hmm. and maybe if i was like 12 and not like a super critical reader i mean mm -hmm. i still yeah. don't think that i'm a really critical reader i try even with this podcast to just make sure i'm having fun before i'm mm -hmm. i'm analyzing things but yeah, I think if I was 12 and I really didn't have any concept of how how things kind of break down in a book, I would be like, yeah, this is this is great. Mm -hmm. But I I think it was a huge disservice for us to be reading this in our like mid to late 20s. <laughs> Definitely wasn't for us. It wasn't made for us. It no. wasn't so, made for us. Yeah. Absolutely. And well, I do wish I'd read it when I was younger. Yeah. And also, let's remind ourselves, this came out a while ago during like Hunger Games heyday, right? It was Twilight right. and Hunger Games at the same time, kind of. Mm -hmm. And this also. So I feel like it was really, I mean, it was popular at the time because of everything going on that time and like all the other popular series. So I feel like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, if it came out now, I don't know how, I don't know how popular it would be, actually, if it came out now. I don't know. Like, I don't think it's that bad, but I do think there's two types, because I read a lot of retellings. I like retellings, personally, but I do find there's two different types. Like, there's types like this where it is very much, like, kind of surface level retelling and very, like, fluffy, and then there's, like, the more in-depth kind of, like you know, whether it's like a, a obscure 
fairy tale or fable that they're turning around or they're like really going completely like janky with it then there you go this was like she had a cool idea but she kept it surface level and for me it Mm -hmm. didn't bother me too much because i read it sort of like a comic book or like a superhero kind of thing so like yes i did know everything that was going to (laughs) happen and we'll get into that (laughs) but it didn't bother me just because i was like oh this is kind of fun but uh yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. It's an interesting question for sure, because you're right, like the YA trends were different in 2012 than they are now. Yeah. And yeah, the, the atmosphere for like what makes a good YA novel is definitely different now. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree with you. I think she, uh, I think there are two different types of retellings where there's one that's like, what if it's Cinderella, but she's a cyborg mm-hmm. and then nothing, you know, nothing else going on. <laughs> and then there are yeah other ones where I just recently read a, a Great Gatsby retelling, which focused entirely on a very minor character in the original book and kind of reimagined her as um, being like a different ethnicity and, and having a different social status and having also like magical powers. So that was a lot of other new stuff going on. Was it Jordan Baker? Yes. Oh, cool. I fucking love her in The <laughs> Great Gatsby. She's dope as hell. It was a pretty cool book. I, I ended up feeling a little bit like I didn't quite get the point because it was like very literary. Um, so this book that I'm talking about is The Chosen and the Beautiful by Nevo. Um, and so it, it was really interesting novel and kind of, I think, fit more into that second style of retelling that we've been talking about where it like completely reimagines and recenters um, the original story, which I typically am more interested in than kind of a like, what if it's this, but this. Yeah. Agreed. I I gravitate more towards the very turned on its head, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because otherwise it's like, well, I'll just read the Grimm's fairy tales because I right. haven't actually read all of them. So, yeah, that should be a goal for this year. But anyways, Ooh, <laughs> now that we're talking about other books, why don't we get into book recommendations? Yes. Yeah. Good idea. Yay, We've been chatting for a you. while. I guess we had a lot of first impressions. <laughs> yes, which is good. Sometimes they're shorter, but hey, that's that's fine. I'm not mad. <laughs> um, do you want to go first, Nikki? Yeah, sure. So I kind of already mentioned mine. Um, I know what it is. Yeah, my... I'm pretty sure. <laughs> my book recommendation uh, to go along with Cinder is an adult retelling of Cinderella called Confessions of the Ugly Stepsister by Gregory Maguire. He also wrote Wicked, which is another very iconic retelling. He... Yes. I mean, I guess a lot of people are probably familiar with Wicked. A lot of people have probably read it. It is very, very popular when it came out. And then also, again, um, when the musical adapted from it... um, Which is so different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very, very the different than the book. Yes. But his, all of his books are, they go that dark route. They go that extra mile. And you're reading the book from Cinderella's sister's point of view. So you see all of the kind of stuff with Cinderella, why she's doing those things, all of the turmoil between even, um, the regular sisters and their mother, who's Cinderella's stepmother. It was great. I read it when I was a teenager, but it's a book that I still think about sometimes to this day. And like someone who doesn't like retellings, I felt like it was very different and it was solid enough to stand on its own without the original story. Cool. Yeah, I, great. 
I've only read half of Wicked, and I started it when oh, I was a really? kid. Yeah, and then I was like, well, this is why. a little bit much. Yeah, I was like, I mean, I knew it would yeah. be different, but I was like, what is happening? And I had to just like... <laughs> Tilly, let's hear your recommendation. Sure. So I'm also going to recommend another uh, Cinderella retelling, oh. one that I really loved as a kid and kind of felt myself uh, just wishing I could read that instead of this book. Oh, no. So... <laughs> I might actually just reread it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I'm going to recommend Ella Enchanted by Gail Carson Levine. It's a fantastic Cinderella retelling that does a lot of really new things with the original story. And like with Nikki's recommendation, I also feel that it it stands on its own two feet, even without kind of knowing about the original Cinderella story. So if you've only seen the movie Ella Enchanted, I would recommend you still pick up the book because they're quite different. Um, The movie was also very fun. Definitely an adaptation that kind of like went in a different direction but um the book was one of my all-time favorite childhood reads i still have my coffee and it copy and it's like literally um falling apart so (laughs) i would really recommend that as a really great cinderella retelling oh i didn't know that that was a cinderella retelling i have only seen the movie (laughs) yeah and i would not have gotten that at all from this so that's really cool the movie was very different yeah yeah yeah, that was a fun one. I liked that one. <laughs> I've only mm-hmm. read it once, I think, like ages ago. So that would be fun to reread too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, Cinder. <laughs> I mean, I still liked it, but. <laughs> okay, my recommendation is not a Cinderella retelling, but it is a retelling of sorts or inspired by fairy tales. Um, the book I've chosen for my recommendation is For the Wolf by Hannah Witten. And this is an adult Mm. fantasy book, and the cover is beautiful. Uh, It makes you believe from the cover, because she's in this, like, beautiful red cloak, that it's going to be a uh, Red Riding Hood retelling of sorts. Mm -hmm. But it's really mostly a Beauty and the Beast retelling. And I know that there are so many Beauty and the Beast retellings, but this one is just the right amount, because... I don't know. I get tired of the whole break the curse, fall in love with him. Like, okay, we get it. He has trouble. Stockholm syndrome. We get yes. it. Yeah. <laughs> like, we understand. <laughs> I think, though, like, as a side note, yeah. <laughs> I would be way more interested to read a Beauty and the Beast retelling than almost any other fairy tale because Stockholm syndrome aside, like, who cares? Like, everybody knows <laughs> that that's like what it, what's going on. But at least they spend time together. I'm <laughs> yes, like agreed. this this whole idea of like you look at this prince or you dance once and, and then you're you're yeah. in love. Like at least there there's like some kind of feelings developing. Whether they're like yeah. good or not, there's you see some like actual growth. Yeah. Plus within he the characters. Yeah, plus the prince in Cinderella has to freaking find a foot to fit a shoe. He doesn't even remember her face. Like, are you serious? And he doesn't even have a name. His name is Charming. Are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. Prince Charming. <laughs> but anyways. Anyway, sorry, Kelly. Back <laughs> to your <okay>. book. <laughs> this is more of Beauty and the Beast, but just a little hint. And uh, it's about this girl named Red, which is short for Radaris. And she is the second daughter born to her... Uh, royalty line whatever like she's second in line to the throne and every second daughter in their village has to be sacrificed for the wolf 
So she has to like go to this magical forest called the Wilderwood. And it's very, very scary in there. Like actually it's quite dark and bloody and very um, descriptive in the violence, which I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Nikki loves it. (laughs) But it was very, very inventive. Um, I believe it's a duology. So the second one is coming out next summer. And it says here, just a little quick blurb for you. uh, The first daughter is for the throne. The second daughter is for the wolf. As the only second daughter born in centuries, Red has one purpose, to be sacrificed to the wolf in the wood in the hope he'll return the world's captured gods. So it's very, like, ominous and the clock is ticking and the clock is ticking for the world or like her little world, right? The village or whatever, and not for the wolf, which I really enjoyed or like the beast. Right. So Mm. yeah, I would really recommend this. I can't wait for the second one. And yeah. It sounds kind of like, um, from blood and ash and the way you're talking about it. Like really? with the woods and the like, the one person goes to this way and the second born, born person goes here and like it's descriptive and violence and there's like a romance and <laughs> I don't know, it just like sounds kind of like drive a- over to your house after this and get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. I will end it out. It's very good. I tabbed so many things and it has like a very tender romance that reminded me kind of of Song of Achilles just in the way that it's like described because I, it's not steamy, but it's not vanilla or, like, closed door either. It's just, right. like, there's a lot of magic going on. So I'd probably, like, need to reread it before the second one. But I really enjoyed it. I loved the world building. It was very, like, pagan, scary woods kind of feel, which I loved. <laughs> but yeah. All right, everybody, we're moving into spoilers territory now. So if you haven't read the book and don't want to know how it all turns out, you should probably stop listening now. And if you like what you're hearing, please feel free to leave us a rating or review on your podcast app of choice. So if you don't want any spoilers, you should leave now. Get out of here. Skit. Okay. Skit. Yeah. Skit. Skit. Skaddle. Skaddle. Please don't. Yeah. Scram? That's what I was thinking of. (laughs) Okay, they're probably gone by now because they're like, oh god, these these three. (laughs) Okay, we'll begin with a quick recap of the rest of the book, just so that we're all on the same page. As we know from the synopsis, the book follows teenage orphan Cinder, a cyborg mechanic in a post-apocalyptic future Earth. Cinder lives with her cruel stepmother, Audrey, her two stepsisters, Peony and Pearl, and their family android, Iko. Though Audrey and Pearl are mean and abusive towards Cinder, Iko and 14-year-old Peony are her best friends. In the first chapter, Cinder is manning her mechanic booth at the market when the handsome Prince Kai arrives, asking her to fix his android, Nancy. Cinder hides her cyborg identity from Kai, as cyborgs are considered second-class citizens in their society. In this future, there is also a deadly plague called Letumosis, and the Commonwealth's leader, Kai's father, Emperor Raikin, is currently in quarantine with the disease. After Kai leaves her booth, Cinder witnesses the entire market shut down when a baker discovers the telltale spots on her hands and is shockingly airlifted away to the quarantines. When Cinder arrives home, her stepmother Audrey is fitting her stepsisters with brand new ball gowns, but says she can't afford a new dress for Cinder as their hover car needs an expensive part. 
Cinder goes to the junkyard with Aiko and her stepsister Peony to scavenge for the part. Just as Cinder is excitedly telling Peony about Prince Kai's market visit, she notices that Peony's skin has broken out in splotches, meaning she has contracted letimosis. Cinder tearfully reports the outbreak and med droids arrive to take Peony away. Before they leave, they ensure that Cinder tests negative. Audrey is furious that Cinder put Peony in danger and volunteers her for cyborg letimosis research. Meanwhile, Prince Kai and his advisor Torin are working on a plan for peace negotiations with Queen Lavana, the ruler of Luna, the colony on the moon. Lunars can telepathically manipulate people's thoughts and actions and are feared on Earth. Lavana wants to marry Kai to form an alliance, but Kai wants to find long-lost Princess Selene, Queen Lavana's niece and true heir to the throne. In the Lenomosis Research Lab, head researcher Dr. Erlon discovers that Cinder is immune to the disease and runs tests on her blood samples. Cinder returns home and decides to fix up the gasoline car she found in the junkyard and run away. Emperor Raiken dies the next day, and Queen Lavana insists on visiting Earth. Cinder visits Peony in the quarantines and tells her she'll try to save her. Cinder then runs into Prince Kai, who asks her to accompany him to the ball as his personal guest, but Cinder refuses, as sad as the night she plans to run away. She's also certain he would be repulsed if he found out she was a cyborg. A whole lot of other wild stuff happens, including Queen Lavana's political bargaining with a vial of a letumosis cure, Peony's tragic death in the quarantines, Dr. Erlon's revelation that both he and Cinder are lunars, and Cinder's discovery of a lunar plot against Prince Kai. <gasps> the nerve! <laughs> Everything comes to a head at the coronation ball when Cinder arrives to warn Kai that Lavana plans to kill him. Lavana confronts Cinder, saying she is a lunar fugitive who must be arrested. Cinder breaks free, but her mechanical foot falls off and she falls down the stairs. Kai runs after her, but realizes she is a lunar and a cyborg and seems disgusted. <laughs> In the final chapter, Cinder is broken out of prison by Dr. Erlond, who gives her a new mechanical hand and foot. He tells her to meet him in Africa and reveals that she is actually Princess Celine. The book ends, <laughs> yeah, as everyone knew immediately. <laughs> the book ends with Cinder realizing it's up to her to save Earth from war and retake the lunar throne. Woo! I'm not even gonna do the dun 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 because <laughs> how obvious was it? I know, Quite. and that was a bummer too. Yeah. Honestly, I feel the biggest the biggest problem I had with this book is Queen Lavana could have been such a cool villain, yeah, but right. instead she had nothing going for her except the fact that she was evil and wanted everyone to think she was beautiful, which like, have we not all been there? And I just, I wanted like more evil backstory or like ugly all day. <laughs> yeah. Or, like more, just more motivation or information or background about her because she could have been such a cool villain but all we had was, like, she's evil for no reason except that she is evil. Yeah. I did like the telepathy stuff, though, of, like... Yeah, me too. That was so cool. Yeah, like, there's a huge uh, bunch of protesters rioting or, like, yelling at the castle, and she comes out, and just by looking at her, she's able to calm them all and, like, turn them to be on her side, which is kind of cool, you know? But what's thought, her side? Like, what does she want, ultimately? I don't know. Yeah, I don't take know. Over, I guess. <laughs> but like, why? But like, for what? Yeah, yeah there's a plague, lady. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, I like I said earlier, 
I, there was no surprise for me in this book. As soon as they were like, there's a long lost princess. I was like, gee, I wonder who it is. It's clearly you. Like, hello. <laughs> She's like, I don't know who my parents are. Blah, blah, Like, oh my God. And the, the part of the text too is like, clearly Princess Celine died in the fire because they found bits of her flesh. And I was like, Cinder, you don't have bits of your flesh. Obviously that someone can still survive. Listen, yeah. you don't need bits of flesh in the future anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need them now. Okay. You know? That was another thing I was really confused by. I was like, why are cyborgs considered second class citizens? I don't because know. you'd think in this future world they would be like higher. wouldn't Yeah, wouldn't you think that you'd want to be like kind of genetically enhanced? And I wouldn't mean, that would be think. like you would think. And that part really didn't make sense to me and it was never really explained why people were discriminating against her. Yeah. Maybe so, I don't know. This is just like me trying to guess, but maybe it's like you didn't have enough money to like fix your actual body. So they just like gave you junk parts to keep you alive because like she has a more sophisticated chip and all this stuff, which Dr. Erlond, if I can say that properly, oh my God, Dr. <laughs> Erlond, you won't know listeners because we <laughs> had to take out a bunch of my failures <laughs> at that name. But <laughs> now Nikki's going to keep it in. no. <laughs> After I said that. But anyway, Nikki's going to cut out whatever she wants, and we love her for it. Yes. <laughs> but, like, when he's checking on her uh, when she's in that, like, um, lab for Ledimosis research on cyborgs, which, like, her her stepmom's just like, you're going, pretty much because she wants her to die, because everyone else dies there. And she gets paid. Yeah, and she gets paid. But... Um, he was like, oh, your chip is very sophisticated. Like, I haven't seen this before. This technology is so advanced. So maybe she is a really top-tier cyborg, but that's not the norm. You know what I mean? Maybe if there are other cyborgs, it's like, oh, you're just a bunch of scrap metal. Do my work for me, peon. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Peony? No. Peon? <laughs> yeah, it's like oh a slave. God. Peon? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought it was a name. No. <laughs> It's like the bottom of the barrel, like like a gotcha, like a plebe or pleb, right? <laughs> I don't know. You You're down there. Yeah, plebeian, plebeian. Oh, <laughs> Barbara says plebeian <laughs> or in a pleb. song. Okay, I'm not sure. <laughs> We're doing our best, anyways. I yeah, I can I can see that, but I wish she had explained that if that was the case. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like it was just there were so many of these things that were just presented as fact, and Cinder just said like that's just the way it is. And sure, I'm sure that's how she feels, but mm. why can't we as readers know the way it is? Do you know what I mean? Or yes. like, yeah. And this I, book I was told in third person, right? It wasn't told in yeah. first person. Yeah. So there, you have so much opportunity. You can literally do like cutscene in chapter where you just talk about the history of the world. Yeah. And then you can do more, and then cutscene. This is what actually happened. When Prince Princess Celine came down to Earth in the fire and whatever, after she finds out that she is the princess, like there are so many opportunities to really dive deep. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. she, it's like she looked at all of those and she went, "Ugh, no way! Ugh, just I don't want that." And then yeah. she just did like the most basic thing she could, which was nothing. I really, 
I know. I really do feel, and like, I'm sorry, listeners, that we're like ragging on this book so hard. But it is, I think, because I was too old when I read it, and I probably yeah. just should have read it when I was younger. But it really does feel transparent to me that the author came up with this idea, which is a cool idea at the end. Mm-hmm. But like, what if instead of a missing shoe, Cinderella's foot is what like the prince is holding, you know, and he's got to like fit the foot onto the person because that's what happens, right? Is that like the cyborg foot falls off, but that and like that is an interesting the idea. Foot's too small for her, so if they went to fit it on her, it would still yeah. be too small. So I know it didn't like... work either. Even that basic idea is dumb. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, it just felt so transparent that that was the basis from which she built everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I think maybe that's why nothing else quite matches because she started with a small idea and kept making things up to make it work. Mm. And so then there were like all these plot holes and like inconsistencies because I don't even think she fully, like the author, I don't even think she fully understands her world. Yeah. Which is a bummer because it's a cool world. Yeah. Yeah. I was more intrigued by the like two pages we got to hear from Rapunzel. I think it was. Mm. She's like, she's like, um, uh, Lavana's, Oh, yeah, the, like, hacker girl? Thaumaturge. I can't remember uh, what their name was. Sybil um, somebody. Sybil, yeah. Sybil is holding the Rapunzel-esque character, Capture, and she is this really amazing hacker. And mm-hmm. she is the one who um, hacked the chip to get Sybil to put in Kai's android Nancy and I was like, wow, that was so compelling. That was the mm-hmm. most compelling part of this whole book. And it lasted like two and a half pages. <laughs> yeah. That's well, isn't problem. the whole second book about her, though? Maybe that's why. The second yeah, book? Yeah. But you're right. No. The second book is about oh. the Red Riding Hood character. But I well, think that? that she's working with the hacker, oh, Rapunzel okay. or whatever. And then maybe the third book is getting Rapunzel out of captivity. Okay. Well, here. Let me just click on the second one because the second one is called Scarlet and the main character on the cover would be like the Red Riding Hood character. Um, Did we meet that person, I wonder? I don't remember. No. Okay. It says, okay, Cress (laughs) Cress is the hacker. She's the Rapunzel character. Scarlet is the next book and her name is Scarlet Benoit. Or Benoit. <laughs> I think it's Benoit. <laughs> but, Spelling up Benoit. <laughs> yeah. So, Unless you're American. <laughs> yeah. So the second book follows Scarlet, and she's trying to find her missing grandmother, and she encounters Wolf, who's a street fighter. Okay. Who has information as to her grandmother's whereabouts. So she has to like work with him to try to find her grandmother. And then they cross paths with Cinder, it says. So, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Hmm. Probably not that interesting after reading the first book. I'm I'm trying to tactfully keep my mouth closed. Yes, that's okay. I mean, <laughs> I feel the same way. I do will... we need to be tactful here? We everybody no. knows what we think. <laughs> I mean, I that's still true. enjoyed the book, but I'm fine with like analyzing because yeah. yeah like, oh no, yeah. I just don't want to like beat a dead horse. I'm like the listeners know how I feel. I don't need to keep um, Kelly saying has negative brought things. up Children of Blood and Bone in every single episode. <laughs> no, of I have this not. <laughs> Since 
or Throne of Ass. So I think if you want to take tips on how to beat a dead horse, it's probably Hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I will say it every time I need to. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> Clearly, the if bit it is, is broke, working. No, talk about it. The bit is working, so I will keep going. I'm an actor, okay? Oh, I see. I okay. survive off of laughter. <laughs> I don't. Okay. Anyways, let's just move oh on. Oh my god. No, I will. Anyway. I will. I will eventually read the second one, and I'll report back. Okay, because. Yeah, like I had fun reading it. Do I think it is the best well-written or most well-written series for YA? No, I do not. I definitely don't. But I think I can see the appeal of when it came out and the new covers are so beautiful. Oh my God. And I feel like the they new are covers- lovely. Yeah, the new covers fit the series better, I think. Because yeah, I it's agree. much more like comic book, sci-fi sort of style- and that's how I read it. Like, it gave me huge Sailor Moon vibes of just, like, you know, the archetypes and the silliness and, yeah. But, hey, you know, whatever. But I'll report back about Scarlet and we'll see how it goes. Because this one was, uh, this one um, has a higher rating than the first one. So, we'll I see. think that typically happens with sequels. So, because usually the people who read the sequels are the ones who liked the first book. I find that's a quirk that Goodreads has. Yeah. Where, like, oh, yeah. the higher number of books there are, the usually the more highly rated they get because people who don't like the books don't read the second and third and fourth ones. Sure. So, they're already invested. But, but since Nikki but already could brought still be it better. up, I don't know. Nikki already brought up Children of Blood and Bone. <laughs> the second one, I think, has a worse rating because I heard that. People were, like, very iffy about the second one. Like, overall, I think. Which is kind of disappointing. Even though I didn't like the first, that's disappointing for the author, you know? But, oh well. Anyways, (laughs) moving on. (laughs) Um, What did we feel about the romance? Because for myself, I was kind of like... Boring. Yeah, like, he's just kind of there. And then... He has no personality. Yeah. And... I don't know. I was just kind of like, okay. And then when her foot falls off, he's like, you disgust me. And I'm like, really, bitch? Because she saved your life. So like, shut up. You know, she saved your droid. Shut up. (laughs) I know. I really really... just what romance. Yeah. Yeah. There was nothing romantic about any aspect of their relationship. Mm -mm. I could see maybe, oh, I think you're really cool, bro arm punch like that's the vibes i was getting from from their relationship not oh i see you as a potential romantic interest so i don't know yeah i just realized too we don't really get a lot of visual descriptors of any of the characters so if i'm trying to imagine what any of those characters look like i was really kind of more imagining what the front cover looked like rather than developing my own um imagination Right. Of the character. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree. The The romance, what romance? There wasn't much no. of anything. One of the only um, lines I actually liked in the book, sorry, everyone, <laughs> was actually around the time of the ball. Do you mind if I read it now? Because it's kind yeah. of just related. Yeah. Sure. Um, so it, it's kind of just ties into all this stuff we've been saying about cyborgs and like romance and all that stuff. So, so near the end of the book, um, you know, she's worried that Kai is going to figure out who she is. And so she keeps like hiding bits of herself, which also, by the way, wasn't clear on what bits of her were not flesh. Doesn't yeah. matter. Moving on. 
So the quote is, it was not her fault he had liked her. It was not her fault she was cyborg. She would not apologize. And I was like, you know what, girl? That is the one smart thought you've had this whole book. <laughs> because it's true. Like You don't need to feel ashamed of yourself. You don't have to feel bad that he's going to find out and then be embarrassed. It's not your it's not your job to manage his expectations or his emotions. And I really I really enjoyed that part. And then I was so disappointed when he was like, ugh. Yeah. Like he he just was as predictable as um flat as he had been all along in yeah, that he right. didn't question her or like trust anything i guess they didn't have any opportunity to build up any trust but it right. yeah it was a it was a big old bummer for me yeah the only person i could actually picture was kai and that's only because there's a member of this k-pop group called xo <laughs> and his name is kai and that's what he oh. i'm like showing them a picture oh but, like, wow dreamy <laughs> Yeah, so I was like, oh, great. But that was literally <laughs> the only part where I was like, yes, there's a visualization happening. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so how am I trying to say this? Okay, <laughs> let's go back. Um, yeah, okay, because it's just like when you have people who have scars or are disfigured because of something that happened. It's like, I survived she survived a fire. She survived basically an assassination attempt, if I'm correct in saying yeah. that. So it's like, sorry, I don't have a foot and I have a chip. Like, bitch, if you don't like me at my fully human or my half cyborg, you don't deserve me at any of it. Okay, so... Yeah. How dare you? Yeah, and he was supposed to like her for, I guess, like, who she was. It's never explained why he likes her. She always has, like, like grease on her face whenever they talk, so I'm not really clear either. But you'd think he he would... Like, they they seem to have this connection. Why can't he just deal... I don't know. I I think he's dumb. Did I miss something at the end? Because I thought at the end it was, like, he knew all along and he didn't care. Did I miss I don't something? I believe so. I don't think that happened. At the end, I think he, you know, he he's holding go. the foot. Yeah. He yeah. lets her go. I think he, like, turns away. He, like, won't meet her eyes. Mm-hmm. And she assumes it's like, oh, well, I was right. He's disgusted by me. Coward. And they throw her in jail. Yeah. Oh, I can't even well, look at you. I mean, I guess we don't know if that's the case, which I'm sure it's that's not. True. If it gets later in the series, because I'm sure they're going to get together at some point. Oh, I'm sure she's going to save his sorry ass. And then suddenly, oh, I don't care that you're half metal or whatever shit. Like, bitch. <laughs> I wonder, <laughs> like, on a... <laughs> On a different note, I don't care, like, half metal. That's really funny. Half metal alchemist. (laughs) She's really, like, like 10% metal. Popular mechanics. I think they said she was, like, 34%. Sorry, what? I think that was... In the in the research lab, I think Dr. Erland was like, you're like 42 or 34% or something. The highest we've ever seen. Oh, interesting. So she's like a third metal mechanic. I guess. <laughs> anyway. That's why she's so good at being a mechanic. Because she's yeah. like, I'm just working on my people. Yeah. She's like, I'm one with the metal. I'm one with the metal. <laughs> on a serious note, though, I wonder if people who read this, who have physical, um, mm-hmm. like, like, don't Prosthetics. have a leg... Or mm-hmm. are missing fingers or a hand, younger people read this and they 
think that it is like such a good like maybe it is a really good like representation or it makes them feel a lot better about things when you're young i mean i don't have anything that's like not the norm about my body and i grew up feeling like really insecure about things so i can't imagine somebody growing up um with a limb difference in a place where maybe you don't see that a lot and they get this book and they read it and then they feel so good about themselves like i can do anything and i am great Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter or whatever so i wonder if um that had anything to do with the success of this book in terms Mm -hmm. of like younger people reading it Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe i mean i would like to I would like to think that for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I had a limb difference and I read this book that it would make me feel better about it because there was a lot of focus on them being kind of like, like the cyborgs being um, like lower class and like not interesting. But I, I think you're right. I think there is ultimately Cinder's kind of at the end where she does kind of think like, it's not my fault. I'm still a human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, maybe. Totally possible. I and yeah. like, I mean, later in the books, I mean, it. It obviously has to explore that more because mm-hmm. what's going on in the rest of the books? I don't if they're know. not going to talk what even happened in this book? This. I don't know. Right, <laughs> right. Just rewind the podcast, Tilly. You'll you'll be caught up. <laughs> I mean, even when I was writing the like little recap, I'm like, Ugh, this is all just. I do. It just didn't work for me. I mean, yeah. I, I do feel bad criticizing it so much because I do think it, you know, takes a lot of work to write a book. And I'm sure, you know, you feel really connected to your characters and all that stuff. So I can empathize with Marissa, but I, I, do, I do not like her work and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, I do like that she was made into like a character who has some kind of agency, like she builds things. Mm -hmm. She is smart, even though maybe the writing wasn't as strong as we would have liked. At least, like, I really liked the ball scene because I liked that she was like driving crazy fast in her getaway car, trying like in this big torrential downpour. And then she like crashes the car and comes in in this like dirty, ruined dress. So action packed. Yes. And she like shows up in that big uh, iconic scene in Cinderella where she's up at the top of the stairs and everyone's like, who's that? Everyone was like, oh God. Like when she showed up, (laughs) which I loved. They're like, oh, who's that? Yes. I did really love that part because it's been done so many times. We get it. Oh, beautiful blue dress. <gasps> beautiful lady. Who is she? I've never seen her before. And everyone else was like, oh, God, what is she doing here? And like, what is she wearing? And oh, it just, everything was wrong, right? Like, so I really liked that part of it. I thought that was super fun and a change, which I think we need fresh things. So I did like that. <laughs> I do want to talk quickly about the doctor because I did think he was kind of interesting as a character. <sighs> Oh, <laughs> sorry. I have a feeling about the, I have feelings about the doctor, so, but I'll let you say your thing first. Oh, no, no. I just that was just me like opening up discussion because I want to hear what you both thought about him because he was like predictable, but also not. And I'm like, what are you like? What not? What are you like? What are your what's your objective here? Like, who are you for? I don't know. I'm um, yeah, I don't know. I want to hear your thoughts on Dr. Erlond. 
I have a problem with him. Mm -hmm. Mostly I have a problem with the way he's introduced into the story. Mm -hmm. And there's this, like, suggestion that he's, like, a creepy man who's only interested in examining young teenage female cyborgs when he's supposed to be the head of the research team for the whole disease. What? Uh, Research. Yeah. uh, There's this, this, like, really particular part. I highlighted it. I'm going to read it because it's gross. So, page 72, it's one of his interns, the, like, female intern, and she says something, uh, she says, Just that you're always more than willing to placebo the male cyborgs that come in, but you perk right up when you catch work of a girl, catch word of a girl, especially the young ones. And I got this really icky feeling, and I understand that oh. later on it's explained that he's trying to find Princess Celine, mm-hmm. and that's why he was like that. But I thought that was a really terrible introduction to this character that we're supposed to end up trusting. Mm, and he yeah. gives a lot of information to Princess Cinder that she doesn't question and that we're just supposed to understand. Mm-hmm. And it was a really bad way of setting up a character that we're supposed to feel kindly towards. Yeah. So yeah. I I thought I had big time ick factor the whole time I was reading every part that he was in. And he basically just like info dumped so much. Mm-hmm. And Cinder was like, great, I guess that's the way it is. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, yeah, definitely was not my favorite character. <laughs> But I remember just feeling like, what are you doing? Whose side are you on? You're clearly one of the Lunars, but like, I don't understand why you're so shady. And yeah, yeah, just like yeah, mad and, and doctor, like, basically. Like, yeah, he. Yeah, um, I had a really hard time getting a read on him, and I didn't. I did not like it. <laughs> I almost didn't view him as human. I don't know um, if either of you have read Dune before. Or um, seen the film. I've never gotten through it, sadly. <laughs> so there is, there are these characters in the in the world of Dune, and they're called Mentats, and okay. they're people who uh, drink this substance that uh, it gives them kind of this like purple dyed kind of look around their lips. It's gross, but anyway, it create it makes them kind of like supercomputers. And it makes them very intelligent. So all of these families have mentats with them to help them make decisions, see what's going on, calculate like risk versus reward with things, Hmm. and all of that. And that's basically what I viewed him as. I viewed him as this kind of like robotic person, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which was fine, I guess. But I did find... I think maybe it was because of all of the info dumping and he never had anything really to do unless it was info dumping. There was no point. There was nothing about him. Yeah, there was no point where he was like, he seemed to genuinely like care about her for any reason or. Or anything. Yeah, there was no, there was no side plot with him. I mean, other than I guess his daughter being a shell. Oh, yeah. All that to say, I felt like Dr. Erlon was just a computer. I felt like there was a a lot of more interesting ways we could have gotten all of that information. While And I also was really pissed off that he was just killing all of these girls because yeah, he just wanted to find her. Well, like, he also wanted to hell? find the cure. But, but he, he said so. the, the reason he set up the cyborg... Draft, draft was to find Cinder. 
So there were other ways he could have been finding a cure. Or if he just wanted to find Cinder, there were other ways he could have done that without injecting them all with letimosis. Yeah. I will yeah. I will say, like, this is not... So I'm not angry. trying to offend anyone, but he gave me, like, Nazi doctor vibes at the beginning. Because I was like... Yeah. Like, they're bringing in the cyborgs, and they're, like, testing on them, trying to find cute... And all this stuff against their wishes a lot of the time, right? So I was like, oh my god, like, this is very, uh, bizarre of, yeah. uh, what's happening. And, like, the, I mean, the royals don't really know or care, right? Because <laughs> they're just cyborgs, so, yeah. But, uh, yeah, he was not my favorite. He gave me very shady vibes the whole time. <laughs> so yeah. I wanted to bring him out to be like, hey, <laughs> one second. <laughs> <laughs> but I did like Aiko. I did like yeah. the little android. I wish that there was more of Ico because for me, even with Star Wars, I'm sorry. I have a hard time connecting to a robot because mm. they're usually just like, I have a little line for you. Ha ha ha. Or like, oh no, don't unplug me. But I'm like, when I plug you back, it'll be like you never left. Like you're not real, you know? <laughs> so I don't know. Right. <laughs> well, hot take. <laughs> I don't know. I wish that we would have heard more of what Nancy was saying before she was shut down. Yeah. Because you really just hear that last little clip after Cinder reboots her. And then she shuts down and she Mm -hmm. says, that's classified information. I can't tell that to you. Which is fine. But Mm -hmm. because this book was told in third person, maybe they could have had a cut scene or something where Nancy was talking to Kai and told him all of the information. Yeah. I don't know. And then maybe we would have actually fucking learned something <laughs> about what was happening. <laughs> there really you don't know you don't know why Queen Lavana wants to be on Earth. You don't know how Letimosis came to be a thing. I guess like Lunars brought it there, but mm-hmm. how did it develop but what on is it? Luna? Yeah. Yeah, what is it even? Mm-hmm. Like, was it genetically engineered on Luna for Lunars to bring down to spread around mm-hmm. Earth to kill all the humans? Yeah. What well, and like, what happened? made Lunars different? I mean, from what I understood, they were like an ancient Earth colony yeah. that were on the moon. So is there some sort of like radioactive material on the moon that's like <gasps> causing all of these like telepathy powers? That's a really interesting story that I want to know about. They yeah, have- were they always on the moon? Like, were they on Earth? How did they genetically modify their army? There were, like, literally hundreds of questions that these 500 pages could have answered instead of giving us whatever it gave us. (laughs) Maybe they just don't have any Kui yet, and they need to find a Kui. (laughs) (sighs) I think that's definitely it. This is all just a precursor to Ice Planet Barbarian. Oh, my God. I will say, though, Ice Planet Barbarians had more uh, satisfying world building. Really? It did. I found. Yeah. Oh, I don't... I mean, to me, that book, like, I didn't hate it, but I found that I did not care about the sci-fi stuff at all, because it just... It was so, like, bland. The only thing I, I was interested in was, like, oh, that's kind of cool. There's, like, a symbiotic relationship with the Kui, but mm-hmm. everything else, I was like, okay... Okay, it was just so, like, vanilla, bland for sci-fi, I feel like. So that is surprising. That is a hot take. That's an ice take, okay? That's an icy take. Oh, my God. (laughs) Icy take. (laughs) 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the BYOB podcast. If you enjoyed this and want to hear more from us, you can head over to our social media accounts to keep up to date on all things BYOB. We've got Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, the works. Stay tuned after this to hear the first line of our next read, the 2020 urban fantasy novel, The City We Became by N.K. Jemisin, a legendary sci-fi author of our time. See you next yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See you next time. And until then, keep on drinking in great stories. Cheers. Next time on BYOB, the Bring Your Own Book Podcast, I Sing the City. Mm-hmm.